Welcome to the Sports on Point podcast for August 30th, 2010. I am your host, Matthew, the irresistible maple bar, Smith. And I'm Hooday. And I'm Bobby the Brawler. Welcome. We're going to start off with this week in sports. This is a section where we cover the top shared stories on the internet from every day of the past week, and our host will give a short comment on each, starting with Monday. Johnny Damon reportedly claimed on waivers by the Boston Red Sox. What do you think, John? I think he's a, he was going to deny him later in the week. I hate Johnny Damon. He's a traitor, and I he, I hate him. I just I'm glad they didn't get him. I'm glad he stayed there. Yeah, well, he he didn't go anywhere, so uh, this story ended up being all for naught. But I'm kind of interested to see why he turned him down. Is it just a lot of baggage from being on that team before? He's a whiny baby. Because he could have played for a team that was in some kind of contention. On Tuesday, Oregon State Beavers linemen dismissed after arrest for trespassing naked. You know, when I first read this story, I thought it was hilarious, but I can't imagine the terror that this woman must have felt when she went into her study or office and found a 300-pound man naked in a three-point stance who had broken into her house. You know, I could see it like a wide receiver or a quarterback, maybe doing a drunken, like, something like this. But a lineman? Wow. Imagine the amount of drinks he would have had to have thrown down to get to that state. Exactly. And on Wednesday, Roger Goodell, NFL targets 2012 for an 18-game season. John? I'm still against this. I don't like the 18-game season. I don't think it's, it's going to be a disaster in my opinion. We're going we're gonna to throw all the records away because 18 games, you know, 2,000 yards rushing will be normal. We're going to run these players' careers down by two years minimum. Yeah, I can't say I'm in favor of this. Expand the season to an 18-week season instead of 17, but just give the teams two bye weeks instead. On Thursday, Arizona Cardinals QB Derek Anderson gets the starting nod on Saturday. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, if... Derek Anderson is your starting quarterback. Matt Leinhart is got to be looking really bad. He's already gotten himself the reputation for captain checkdown. So three to four complete, three to four yard completions. I guess you go with another option. I like it. I mean, Derek Anderson Anderson's been been to more Pro Bowls than Matt Leinhart, right? So uh, I think he can bring the magic back. He's got a better supporting cast there. Yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. You'll see it. On Friday, Steven Strasburg of the Washington Nationals has a torn ligament and surgery is probable. John? Well, I really don't think it's going to be the worst thing to ever happen. I mean, he's still young. He's got a lot of time to play. There's been a lot of pitchers that have come back and had successful careers after the Tommy John surgery. Um, so I think, I mean, overall, Washington is in, in condition, uh, contention to win it, any pennants. So... I think it it won't be as bad, but they're going to lose a lot of revenue from him pitching. I think it's going to be interesting because he's been one of the most highly touted guys coming into the league. And now, 12 to 18 months from now, uh, knowing that the surgery is one that people often recover from and become better pitchers than they were before they started, throwing in a little bit harder, uh, this may be the most highly anticipated return from surgery of all time. On Saturday, Jamal Crawford to ask Atlanta Hawks for a trade. 
he's got to be frustrated. He didn't get his contract extension. He's playing for a team that failed to make any moves to get any better this offseason when everybody else around him was was moving and shaking. Uh, I can see why he wants out of there. I think I'd want out of there too. I don't see the big I don't see why he wants out. You used to play for the Knicks, man. Be happy where you are in Atlanta. You used to play for the Knicks. Rounding things off on Sunday, Antonio Bryant cut by the Cincinnati Bengals after struggling in camp owed $8 million. John? Yeah, they just signed him six months ago, gave him twenty a four-year $28 million deal. Now they owe him $8 million, and he's not even going to play a single game for him. I know he's been banged up in the preseason, but I – You'd think they give him more than four preseason games before they cut him when they pay him so much. I fully expect that this will only be the first in several uh, off-season signings that end up bad for the Bengals this year. And now on to our To The Point section. This is a section where we have an open format chat that will hit the main points in sports this week and allow for more flexibility and opinion. We're now entering our fourth and final week of the divisional breakdowns within NFL football. So let's get it started. Okay, this week, John, we're going to be talking AFC and NFC East. We'll start off with the AFC. I think this is probably the one of the most exciting divisions in all of football, probably even in years past as well. Um, how do you think this division breaks down? Who do you got winning the AFC East? Well, judging by the first few preseason games, Sanchez is still a little bit iffy. Without Revis, I think the Pats are going to win the East. I don't think I think the Jets are amazing, but I think the Pats are going to win the East. Okay, so Tom Brady had a disappointing year last year. Didn't even play the year before that. Randy Moss is in the last year of his contract. Um, I don't know that his ego will even allow him to perform into the final year of the contract stigma. Um, Wes Welker's coming off a severe knee injury. Uh, Logan Mankins wants out, um, holding out at the moment. Uh, defense is questionable, uh, leadership and depth. I think it's a down year for New England, but I still think they win the division. All, all of these things makes it makes it a down year for Patriots because the Patriots have such a high standard for what they expect from their team. But all in all, even with those things, you still got Tom Brady, you still got Randy Moss, even if it's not the best year of their careers. Them on a down year is better than 90% of your players in the league. Yeah, Tom Brady's down year. He threw for like over 4,000 yards, I believe, last year and had like 28 and 13. So, I mean, I'll take that as a down year. Yeah. I mean, these poor Cleveland fans got uh, 14 total c- touchdowns combined from their five starters that they started last year. I know it wasn't five, but. <laughs> yeah, well, comparing Tom Brady to anybody Cleveland has is just unfair off the bat. But, uh, yeah, Tom Brady, always the always the consummate performer. Actually, I think – the 52-touchdown year was the only year he actually threw for more touchdowns than he did last year. So 28 touchdowns in a down year, yeah, we'll take it. Um, I think I think it's enough to win the division. I, I think that the hoopla surrounding the New York Jets in the offseason this year has been completely unjustified. They've got a coach who runs his mouth. That gets you a lot of press. But all in all, they're a team that was one play – away from missing the playoffs. They got into the playoffs and had some good matchups. They had a team who played the same style they did in the Cincinnati Bengals. They just didn't play it as good, so they were able to move on there. And their matchup against San Diego played 
completely into their wheelhouse. They had a team that only had a passing offense, and they have a very good pass defense. And they had a team that wasn't very good at stopping the run, and they're very good at running the football. So I think they lucked out in the playoffs last year. They lucked out to even get into the playoffs last year. And I don't I don't think they win the division. I'm not even sure they make the playoffs. I'm putting a 10-6 and or a 9-5 and on the New York Jets, and I think the, uh, I think the Patriots uh, top them with an 11-5 record. You meant 9-7. and seven. You said 9-5. and five. Yeah, 9-7. Yeah, I, I agree. I'd say right around 9-10 wins. I think Miami's going to have seven, 7 or 8 wins. And then you got poor Buffalo. They lose four straight Super Bowls, and they've sucked ever Suck since. Suck ever since. I say they win four games. Now, Miami, to me, is an interesting team. Their passing game was a bit of a problem last year. Uh Towards the end of the season, Chad Henney came on pretty strong. He's got an arm he can throw the ball downfield, which Chad Pennington never could. Uh, and that, with the addition of Brandon Marshall, who is a solid top-tier wide receiver in the league, I think that their passing offense could be considerably improved. And if they continue to run the ball well with uh, Ronnie Brown, Ricky Williams, um, I think they'll be a team to, to contend with. Mike Nolan takes over as a defense coordinator. He did wonders with the Denver Broncos defense last year, and they added Carlos Dansby, who's a turnover machine at linebacker. I think the Miami Dolphins might sneak into the playoffs with a 10-6 record. I actually have them finishing tied or better than the Jets this year. I don't, I don't see Miami. They're just, they're just Miami. They'll, they might start off hot, but you know when it gets cold, they always fall off. Nine and seven's about good for them. Well, I mean, we're only off, we're only different by a game here. So uh, yeah, but I got, I got. A lot of 11 and 12 win teams as far as in the playoffs in the AFC. So nine is like two or three games out. Uh, Buffalo. Uh, I'm I'm four and 12. That's what I'm thinking for Buffalo. Chan Gailey, supposedly an offensive mastermind, but he's got a terrible quarterback, and his best wide receiver is Lee Evans, and that's not saying much. Um, they've been absolutely nailed by injuries in the preseason. They're going to need a lot of production from special teams, and their defense is going to need to improve a lot if they even want to win four games. Maybe they'll bring back Steve Tasker. Maybe they will. They might get a win or two. He plays Maybe hard. Maybe uh, Thurman Thomas. Yeah, Jim Kelly, Andre Reed, Bruce Smith. Just bring back the whole team. Honestly, those guys could come in with walkers and still outperform the team that's going to be on the field. You mean... You think they they're better than Trent Edwards? What? I'm I'm gonna step out on a limb and say that Jim Kelly today is better than Trent Edwards today. With all the woes of the Bills, I say CG, CJ Spiller runs for 1,300 yards. He's gonna be there. I I can see that. Uh, I I have a hard time jumping on that right away though because there's only one position that the Buffalo Bills have talent at, and it's running back. They got two. They got Fred Jackson. They've got Marshawn Lynch. They got C.J. Spiller. All three of those guys are going to be vying for carries. Spiller's also going to be big on special teams. If they let him return, he's going to be big on special teams. I think they. I think they need to let him return. I think that's the way that you get the ball into an explosive player's hands is you let him return punts. I mean, look at the Browns. They get their best player is a returner. Yep. Which has worked out really well for them. Yeah, they won five. Four, they were on a four-game win streak in the regular season. Okay, so what do you got? You've got um, 11 wins in New England? Yep. You got the Jets winning? I'm going to say I'm going to say 10. I'm going to I'm going to go with 9 on that one. I'm going to be down a step from you and I'm going to have the Dolphins at 10. 
And then terrible, terrible Buffalo Bills. I, I think I'm saying four, but that's optimistic. I think they're a two or three win team, but I'm going to say four for the for the record. They'll pull some wins out that nobody thinks they should have. I'll say probably five for Buffalo. They're a, a perennial five and eleven team. So the AFC's done. Um, NFC East. I think I'm I think I'm probably going with the grain a little bit too much on this one, but I see Dallas winning the East. I think their offense is going to be top notch. May may take them a few weeks. They've honestly haven't looked that good in the preseason, but uh, that offense is going to catch fire. And I think uh, come the regular season, by the time you see week three, week four roll around, I think you're going to be talking about one of the best offenses in the league. I would agree. I have Dallas at the top. The division is a little bit down this year, uh, so I think Dallas is the class of the league. I have a. A little bit of a surprise than what most people think. I think Washington's going to come in second this year. I'm, I'm not surprised by that at all. I have Washington at number two as well. I think the interesting that happened in this offseason with the NFC East is Dallas pretty much stayed. They're the same team they were last year. I think when you look outside of that, the better teams got worse and the worst teams got better. And I think what we end up with is all of these teams are just mid-level teams. To me, I honestly have the difference between number one in the division and number four in the division being uh, 11 wins to seven wins. I think it's a very tight, very hotly contested division. I think Washington is going to be a better team um, than, than a lot of people expect. Albert Hainsworth is the one who's been getting all the press, but they got Donovan McNabb. They've got Clinton Portis reunited with the coach that made him a star in the league. Um, he's got a great running system. I believe they still have Larry Johnson and Willie Parker as backup running backs. Neither one of them, uh, you know, in the prime of their career right now, but all three of them are running backs that on any given Sunday can give you a very, very solid performance. The only thing that might be frustrating is if you got one of these guys on your fantasy league trying to figure out which one to play because uh, Clinton Portis, I think, has some bad carries. You got some options. Yeah, I think the addition of Donovan and getting to play against Philadelphia two times out of the year. I think there's a uh, two wins because I don't think the Eagles have went downhill in the last couple of years with letting a lot of a lot of their locker room leaders go. The weird thing is, is they go down like. You look at Philadelphia, and with the exception of the year they added Terrell Owens, I can't think of a single year where I looked at the Philadelphia Eagles and thought that they were a better team than last year, but they always maintain. I don't really understand it. I guess it's a, it's a testament to Andy Reid's coaching ability, but they never fall off as far as you think they should. That's the only reason I have them as an 8-8 eight and eight team. I think you're going into the season with an untested quarterback. Obviously, he's done some things in workouts and camp that people like, or else he wouldn't be getting the opportunity he's getting right now. But uh, you got Kevin Cobb. Um, the running back situation is okay. They've got uh, LaShawn McCoy at running back. He can catch a few ones out of the backfield. I think Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Macklin, and Brent Selleck makes a pretty good uh, receiver core for him. But at the end of the day, it's an unproven quarterback, and I think the defense has lost some leadership. 8-8, um, eight and eight, I think, is all the better they're going to be able to muster. I have them going six and ten. I can't really, I can't really argue with that. I have them at eight and eight because I just looked at their schedule and I thought there's some coin flip games that they'll win, but I could just as easily put them at six and ten looking at the matchups. See, I had them going six and ten. I have the Giants. The Giants have 
look bad in preseason. I know that's it's preseason that shouldn't be an indication, but from what they did last year to this year, I think eight and eight. I think Washington's going to go go nine and seven, and then Dallas is going to run run away with the division at twelve and four. I think the New York Giants in the preseason, even more so than other teams, are. I think they're a team that you can't really gauge because if they're good this year, it's because their defense gets pressure on the quarterback. And that's not something you do in the preseason. Uh, there's only been a couple of games this preseason where I think you could honestly look at a defense and say they've made an attempt to get to the quarterback. The Giants, they did it a little bit against the Jets, but when the season starts, their blitz packages are going to be a lot different. The way that they're going to put pressure, the way they're going to arrange their defense and their secondary on every play is going to be very, very different than what we're seeing in the preseason. I think they have an opportunity to win games based on a strong defense, but until I personally see that defense, I can't put them above a 7-9 or nine or 8-8 eight and eight record this season. Um, I'm going to stay with, stay with 7-9 and nine just because I, I, I think that they're the going to finish worst in the division, but still at 7-9, and nine, I mean, shoot, they'd be second in a lot of divisions in the West. No running game. I don't think Brandon Jacobs is a good running back. I don't think he's their starter this year for the bulk of the year. He may start off as their starter, but I think Ahmed Bradshaw is their starter. I think they need to get their wide receivers more involved in the game. I think they need to spread out their uh, offense a little bit, and I think Ahmad Bradshaw allows them to do that, whereas Brandon Jacobs is a behind-the-fullback-type runner. He needs to stay in the tackles and, and run straight ahead and power people over, and I think Ahmad Bradshaw gives them a lot more flexibility at that position. Either way, they're hurting. They're not the Super Bowl team they were a few years back. Although, interestingly enough, if you recall, that Super Bowl team, like, who was that good on that team? It was a bunch of no-name guys who won that Super Bowl. David Tyree pinning balls against his helmet. Uh, I don't know. I'm not saying they could do it again. It's a weird team. The New York Giants are a weird team. Every year, it seems like they start off strong and they fall off. Or they start off weak and they come on strong and win the Super Bowl. You know, it's uh, it's just a unique team that you're not really sure what you're going to get from them. But uh, I can't put them, like I said, I can't put them above a 500 team. I'm below 500. I they're done. I I wish they'd go three and 13. Unfortunately, they have too much talent. They have a Manning on their team, which will keep them treading water for a few years to come, at least. Right. At least keep them in conversation for no other reason than the fact that they have a Manning on their team. And uh, Osu Manura, which is just fun to say, Matthias Kiwanuka, I think they're worth talking about just for those two guys' names. Yeah, they don't even have to be good, even though they are good. But right. kind of so, like saying Hushman Zada. Hushman Zada, which unfortunately we haven't been able to say that very much because he has not done much since he left Cincinnati. But Oh, the tables turn when you try to be a number number one wide receiver. There's been a lot of number two wide receivers who have gone that route. They went to another team where they could be number one, be the feature wide receiver, fall off the map. Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson. Nate Burleson. Stallworth is going to be out eight weeks. It's not a big deal. They got. He was their third receiver anyway. Anyway, so I don't. don't, I'm not too worried about the the Ravens for that. Now they're Mark Clayton's their third receiver, and shoot, Mark Mark Clayton played football last year. Dante he was has in an jail. Over Stallworth. Well, he was in jail for 30 days, but... Yeah, suspended for the season. Yep. Okay, so that pretty much wraps off the football picks. Just to, just to throw numbers on everything, you've got 
Dallas at 12 and 4, Washington at 9 and 7, 9 and 7, Philadelphia at 6 and 10, and, and the, the Giants, Giants at 8 and 8. 8 and 8. eight, and eight. All right, we we differed a little bit there. I've got Dallas at eleven and five, Redskins at nine and seven, Eagles at eight and eight, and Giants at seven and nine. So we'll probably get into it a little bit next week. We'll 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 throw a playoff bracket together. We'll see where uh, we think everything's going to end up in the postseason, and maybe talk about some awards. Uh, until then, um, you know the football season is two weeks away in the NFL, but it starts on Thursday for college football. Are you excited? Yes, I am. Texas hook them horns. I, I love college football more than I love NFL. College football starts on Thursday. Before we close out the show, let's talk about some bold predictions for the season this year. Obviously, every year in college football, crazy things happen. Teams that you never expected to be in the BCS are in the BCS. Teams that you thought were going to be great end up outside of the top 25. What what do you think is going to happen? Give me some give me some bold prediction that I can't get from ESPN.com. Give me something right now. Boise State is your national champions. Boise State's the national champ. See, I'm actually going to go the other way. I think Boise State goes undefeated and doesn't even make the national championship game. Their strength of schedule is terrible. They play Virginia Tech and. I think this year as opposed to last year, I don't think you're going to have four or five undefeated teams going into the both week. I don't think we are either. And I think Boise State's ranked high enough that they're going to they're going to finally they're going to they're going to find a way to put them in in the game. Yeah, I just think that there's going to be teams, even teams with one loss that are going to slip ahead of them because of the schedules that they're playing and the way that they perform and the wins that they have. Here's the thing is is when you look at a Boise State schedule and you look at a team like let's see who's a who's a good example. Okay, you look at Texas. Texas lost a heartbreaker to Texas Tech a few years ago and it kept them out of the national championship game. I watched it. Boise State beats I don't know Nevada by 28 points. Then they go in the next week and they play TCU and they win by I don't know, six. Is a six-point win against TCU more impressive than a final second touchdown loss by Texas to Texas Tech? My view on this, and it's pretty point forward, if you're undefeated and there's another team that has one loss, there's no debate. You're undefeated. You should be playing for the national title. Now, last year I could see there was many undefeated teams, so they had to choose, but... I don't care who you are. I don't care who you play. You won all your games. The other team didn't take care of business. They should. The team that's undefeated should be in the national title game. And if it wasn't for Boise State's win against Oklahoma, I probably wouldn't say this. Say that a few years ago, I'd be like, no, they play easy competition. But at least give them a shot. They beat Oklahoma a few years ago. Yeah, I, I, I can't jump on that. I can't jump on that theology because. If you look at a team, okay, say San Jose State schedules teams that are even worse than them in the pre or non-conference schedule. They win out their conference schedule, who is teams on their level for the most part. They got a couple of tough games in a, in a season, but that's just tough for them. They'd be cakewalks for Texas or Ohio State or USC. That team deserves a shot at a national championship game because they played nobody but beat them. 
Take care of business. Which leads me to the next thing. There should be a playoff. There absolutely should be a playoff. Teams are undefeated. They deserve to play. Yeah, it's ridiculous. That What you just said, the scenario, that would be ridiculous to let that team play for the national title. But they took care of business. They didn't slip up, which is why there needs to be a tournament. I saw an interesting article this week about tournament in college football where it actually indicated automatic bids for every conference in an 18 playoff. And you end up with two at-large bids and six conference championships. I read it, thought it was interesting, thought there's no way it would work, Nobody, no way anybody would agree to it because I don't think you can get away with two at-large bids and then give automatic bids to the WAC, to the uh, Mountain West Conference. I just, I just don't see that happening. The MAC for crying out loud. But um, I think it's good that there's open discussion about a playoff format, and that uh, people are 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 throwing out solid ideas. I think it's important before an organization like the NCAA makes decisions, they have to understand what all of the really good options are so that they can go out and pick one that's not as good. Yeah. It's important. Of course. So So we're we're getting getting lots of good ideas out there. Soon the NCAA will be able to make a decision that is not as good as the ideas we have out there and disappoint us all. But to a much lesser extent than we're disappointed with the BCS. So it's progress. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. Well, this has been Sports on Point. We hope you enjoyed the show today. As always, you can send your feedback to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. And you can call the show at 646-39-POINT or 646-397-6468. See you next week. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye, guys.